Welcome, everybody, to the Beyond Red and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Bo Richards, and with me is my co-host, Dan Humphrey. Good readings and salutations. It is the 13th episode. We have a very special guest today. He's one of my favorite people in the whole world. He's one of the first people I ever met when I started jujitsu, and he kicked the shit out of me. <laughs> and I kept coming back for more, and it's been four and a half years, and we're still friends. It is Sean Carter. Say hello, Sean. Hello, hello. <laughs> So I thought about um, exactly what all I wanted to say to introduce you, and I figured that the best way to introduce you is to uh, um, just to briefly to explain how my first, the first time I ever met you, you triangle choked me for an hour straight with a, <laughs> with a, with like, a, you didn't have a grin on your face. You had like a scowl. You were like, I thought you were like, <laughs> and I think deep down you were, a good time. Yeah, yeah, I think deep down you were enjoying it, but I just thought you were like this really angry middle-aged gentleman who didn't like me <laughs> and then I found out like two years later that if I remember correctly you had said you had a hard time triangling me because my shoulders were big and you have short legs and so you were focusing on trying to make the triangle work yeah and it just no. it was just miserable for me because I didn't know any better <laughs> oh poor guy no I I, I kind of feel bad for you because um it, it definitely I remember you being like this like football player looking dude coming in that was very and tough. uh yeah you, yeah I mean you were you, you were a big dude and uh you came in and you know Brian at the time he liked matching me up with whoever the new guy was because if they spazzed out like yeah it'd be okay you know yeah. um That's so we job. didn't know yeah we yeah exactly <laughs> so we, we didn't know what type of guy you were at the time <clears throat> and uh also kind of uh, a little bit of extra info on that story is, is that my triangles kind of sucked at the time. So like, I, so, so like, you know, when, when you go into more like old school gyms, <clears throat> you know, they'll be like, Oh, you have too much shoulder. You have too much shoulder in that triangle. Well, I didn't know what that meant. Right. And so, so like some days it's like, you know, you would get it and it feels great. And then other days you would be so confused and wouldn't have very specific, uh, goals in mind to actually get the triangle done, like keeping, you know, your whole shin bone above the, the shoulder line, you yeah. know? So like, so I didn't understand why it was so, I mean, I knew your arms were big and you had big shoulders and everything else, but I didn't know why the hell it just wasn't working the way it normally does. And it frustrated the hell out of me. So, so the frustration wasn't necessarily with you. It was just like, okay, this guy's like first day and I can't throw a triangle on him. Like I suck. So that's, that's really probably where that came from a bit and i was scared of you for like two years that's because terrible. of that <laughs> <That's terrible. laughs> Hell i was like first he, impression yeah i was like he is angry if I, he's gonna beat me up every time i see him <laughs> no no Actually, it wasn't quite it wasn't quite that long it was right after uh, i got my blue belt and then we started hanging out more and drilling leg locks and i was like okay he's he's nice <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I hope, I hope it, it turned into a good experience at some point, you know? Oh yeah. No, I love it. it I just remember it was really funny because, because I was, you know, I was a thick, you know, I, like I said, I was top heavy and we were talking before we started, uh, started the podcast, but I'm like a buck 59. Now then I was like 183. Yeah, you're I think huge. when I started 186, maybe. And I had consciously put on, like I was trying to put on weight and get put on muscle and I, I'd done a really good job for a couple of years doing that. So I was pretty sick up top and like none of my shirts fit. And, um, I think I have the same shirts now and they all fit. So that's good. But, um, yeah, I just remember like you were just, you were so small and you just like fucked me up. And like, I, I couldn't breathe every time you, it was like immediate. Like every time you locked it on, it was like, I just had no air. 
I just like nothing. I was just like gone. And you just kept doing it over and over because that was the whole point. And you were scowling. So I just thought you were doing it because you didn't like new people or you didn't like me or like maybe I like smelled that. Like I didn't know. And <laughs> I was like, why did the why did the gym guy, the gym owner, like put me up with the really mean tiny guy? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to jujitsu. Right, right, exactly. It it really did kind of hook me though too. It was um because I went home, I was I was a little frustrated. I was like, I feel like I should have not necessarily with that, but more so like all the movements and stuff. I was like, I should have been able to do this a lot better. And I kept going back, and then here we are. That's awesome. Now I wear, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, that, that I figured that'd be a good intro to any of the listeners to who Sean is. <laughs> <laughs> You're famous by now, Sean. He's been telling that story every other podcast. Yeah, oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 oh it's man, my it's my favorite jujitsu story. <laughs> um, well, I I think that uh, I think that a lot of us have a similar story like that. Yeah. Where you know we walk in. We think whether we've watched movies or we had some kind of previous training, um, even if you're a wrestler and, you know, you grappled or you, you did something and you walk in the gym and just somebody just smashes your ego, like, you know, right <laughs> away. And yeah. you realize like how real it actually is. And like with all of everything that you have, there's nothing that you can give. Like there's mm -hmm. like you have nothing, you know, yeah. and, and to know that they're just playing with you. It's a, it's a rough experience, but man, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's one of those things. It's like, uh, <clears throat> it's like quicksand. Like the more you struggle your first day, the more you resist it, like the worse it gets because the, the senior, whoever you're with, I mean, they're just going to smash you and make you act accordingly. Right. Yep. <laughs> or, I mean, if, if you're spazzing out, which I was one of them. Right. Sure. So it's like, you know, you're trying to actually fight out of it, try to stand up, you know, it's like, it's terrible, yeah. but it's, but it's great so at the same time. Let's use that as a good segue. Uh, Sean, if you can give us your origin story, as it were, what, what got you into jujitsu? Okay. Um, also, when, when did you start jujitsu? So I started jujitsu, um, 2012. Okay. So it was actually, uh, March, beginning of March, 2012. So the, the beginning of my jujitsu journey, just like everybody else's is a life type of journey. Right. So I was exposed to some stuff that made me feel extremely vulnerable earlier on in life. And, uh, I was scared in different situations when conflicts would arise. I froze up during like melee situations and my friends depended on me and, uh, I totally froze and like, I, I didn't even know how to act. I, you know, there was, I had nothing to give. Like, even if a guy was like down, like I had nothing to give. And, um, so I was at this, uh, I was at this party back in 2011 <clears throat> and I drank way too much. It was a UFC fight night at one of my buddy's houses or whatever. And somebody was talking about my friend's wife or whatever, and just kind of got going. And at the time we were drinking Spody all day. So it was one of those days. All right. So, <laughs> so then the fights get on and everybody's getting riled up and, you know, um, so anyways, long story short, I knocked the guy's hat off and you know, I thought I was just tipping it, but it ended up like flying up on the roof and I started laughing about it. He tackles me, you know, and I didn't know jujitsu. I didn't, I didn't know any type of grappling, but somehow I got threaded between his legs and ended up on his back. And I just knew that if you put a body triangle on somebody and sunk in the rear naked, like that would be good. So that's what ended up happening. <clears throat> and I was kind of in this weird phase where I was super drunk and emotional 
uh, lots of adrenaline. And at the same time, um, I didn't want to be this guy that was like really violent. Mm-hmm. So I was, I got all emotional about it. It was terrible showing of myself. Then I got to go to my, my sister's, uh, uh, college graduation the very next day and take family photos and had like a bloody head. The guy tried to bite off my finger, you know, and I'm like, it, yeah, it was like, it was like the worst case scenario. But anyways, it bugged me so much for, for months that it was so hard to choke this guy. I was like, it is not this hard. And so <clears throat> combined with like fear and like just this uh, feeling of like not knowing, not, uh, not knowing what I was doing, not being uh, educated, I guess, like just it, it bugged the shit out of me. So there was a there was a, um, a place it was a Taekwondo school. They did uh, Krav Maga. They did, uh, which is kind of a weird one, very debatable. <laughs> um, but they also did jujitsu. <clears throat> and the jujitsu guy there, he was only a blue belt, no stripe blue belt. And uh, I walked in, didn't even roll with him, just like did technique. There's like these nerdy, like 15 year old kids, like really nerdy. Like they had nothing, you know, I mean, they're just kids and they're a one stripe white belt. So I was like, oh my gosh, these kids are about to get smashed. And it was like, oh no, armbar, choke, 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 you know, triangle, armbar, armbar. And I was like, so amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, like I haven't even rolled with a blue belt yet. You know, I was like, these are white belts and they're just destroying me. And I'm like trying as hard as I can, you know? So I was like, all right, gotta learn this. Um, so that was like the start of it. <clears throat> um, then I kind of wanted to explore more because they only were on for like two two days a week. And so I wanted to learn more. So I started going to an MMA gym in Tukwila called Ring Demon. And oh, Ring Demon yeah. is, is Dan knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so Ring Demon is like a whole different animal. Okay. So like Ring Demon is like uh so Eric Dahlberg is like the head coach there. He is amazing. He's a he's a genius. Like real he quick, is, real quick, Eric and I were white belts together, back with Marcelo Alonso. Okay, that's crazy. <laughs> wow. All right, go ahead. That's crazy. So he, this guy, like every time I talk to him, it's like you're talking to like somebody just ready to drop knowledge on you. You know that in every aspect. You know, pro boxer, pro kickboxer, pro grappler. You know, you name it, right? Um. So had a lot of uh, good experiences there. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, she lived in, in Bothell and, uh, basically I wanted to train up there, found Brian's place. It was like self-defense. I was like, Oh, cool. And I walk in and at the time, my main place was still, um, was still this place out in Berrien and the highest ranked person was a blue belt. Well, when I walked into Brian's, like there was at the time, there was like 30 adults and probably three quarters of them were blue belts. This was when the school was much, much bigger and there was monsters in there and I just shit my pants pretty much. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, um, after that, um, some things happened where, uh, Brian taught the S mount arm bar and Brian was a a brown belt at at the time. He had just got his brown belt. And, and so he taught the S mount arm bar. I actually came back to my gym and enrolling, we used to kind of like, it, it was like everybody would kind of sit around and watch each other grapple. It was, it was a very weird dynamic and there wasn't a lot of people. Well, I S-mount armbarred somebody and somebody asked me how it was done and I told them, right? And that led to, I was cross-training and then the owner of the gym actually wrote a formal letter, not the blue belt guy, this other lady wrote a fo- formal letter saying, basically, if you train with us, 
like you're one of ours, you're not allowed to cross train. Um, and basically said, you know, it's either us or, you know, the highway. So I chose the highway. I was like, my, <laughs> my goals are much bigger than these four walls, you yeah. know, and that, that was kind of one of those things that I kept with me forever after that moment is that whatever I do, I want it bigger than these four walls. Yeah. So that, that actually opened me up to actually cross training more, learning more about other people, being more open-minded to technique, to whatever it might be, people, whatever, whatever it is. I want it to be, I didn't want to be that. Yeah. So um, I ended up actually moving to, to Bothell with my girlfriend and started full, uh, full-time training with, with Brian and, and all the squad out there. And the rest is history. Yeah. Bam. Very cool. Dude, that's funny that uh, people are still having that attitude of, you know, if you're with us, it's only with us. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you made the right choice, in my opinion. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, you're actually the only person I've ever personally met who's had that problem. Well, at least nowadays, like. <laughs> I've never met anyone else who would like, or like the gym owners, like, get the fuck out if you're going to train somewhere else. Well, that was super yeah. common for like old school martial arts. I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. But to, to hear that recently, that, yeah, uh, whatever. I also, <laughs> a lot of the people that I see, though, that, I tra- that I've trained with outside of our gym, outside of Brian's gym, has been because of you, Sean. And so I think part of the reason I've never seen anyone who's had that attitude is because you tend to go to gyms where they don't care. Otherwise, they probably get angry. So, like, I'm, I'm dealing with, like, people, right? Yeah. But yeah. it's interesting that that's still a thing. I don't, I don't quite, I don't get the dynamic. I don't understand why that would be such a problem for people, like. So, so like, there's there's like livelihoods at stake here, right? Sure. When we're talking about gym owners and <clears throat> and different things and following like a certain criteria to make money, okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take that away from anybody. That's that's how they support their family, okay. But uh, Dan, you're spot on. She was an old school type of taekwondo head. You know, she mm. didn't know anything outside of it, and. You know, um, I, I don't even know if the jujitsu guys even go there anymore because jujitsu yeah. people tend to, you know, kind of like after a certain point, they kind of just go with the flow. A lot of them. Yeah. Anyways. I, so I was that mainly cool people? Was that mainly like a Taekwondo school and then yeah. just somebody who knew jujitsu was doing a couple of classes kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And- yeah. So, yeah. So he was, he was also the Krav Maga guy that was okay. the jujitsu guy. <clears throat> and he was really into it because he was like a tactical, like firearms at all times and, you know, um, type of guy. And, you know, he ran us through some really cool c- scenarios that I actually really enjoyed. His name's DJ Grand, super cool guy. Shout out DJ. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the owner of that school sucked. <laughs> I don't know how else <laughs> to put it. Like, yeah, she, like he, he was, he was a black belt in Taekwondo. He did all, all this stuff. He, he did all the training. Like he knew like where, where he was at, you know, and, and didn't bullshit about it. And she did definitely. So, um, I, I, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> so this actually brings me, I'm, explain to me your philosophy of jujitsu. <clears throat> In what aspect? However, however you want. Like, what is it about? <laughs> it's a big question. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it kind of dovetails into what you had said, at least from what I, you know, as well as I know you about um, not allowing the four walls to keep you in and wanting to kind of learn and grow more. Um, it seems to me that your philosophy would kind of dovetail into that. 
but I'm curious to kind of hear in your own words, like, what is it, what is it about jujitsu, I guess, that, um, that drives you? Like why jujitsu and not something else? Why do you keep doing it? Um, so there, there's, there's quite a few different things that, that really interest me as much as it interests you guys. I, I think that we can all agree that there is, there is a lot to be said about old school jujitsu grappling, like the smash type of style. There is something to that, that you can, it, you can see it, but until you feel it, you don't know what the fuck that is. Right. So, but there's also kind of like this, this race war going on for like the cleanest technique, right? The, the most, how to make your basics so incredibly perfect and what exactly are those basics and reforming how to actually look at it as a whole. And that's extremely interesting to me. Um, so where the sport has been, where the focus of self-defense has been, where the two meet in between, it's, it's changing much more than I ever thought that it would. What's the most dramatic change that you've noticed? Okay. So <clears throat> the leg lock thing was like five years ago, right? That was, that was a pretty big thing. You know, the, the big thing right now that I noticed was actually, um, you know, not to fanboy on Danaher so much, but, but I mean, the guy is like an evil genius, right? So, but he, I think on purpose is also, um, neglecting a certain part to keep people out of certain areas, We'll get into that probably, but anyways, watching his feet to floor series, there's two videos at the end that are on self-defense specifically. Now in self-defense, traditionally, you know, there's like 36 moves that you learn <clears throat> throughout your jujitsu career. They get better and better as you go, like cross collar chokes and, you know, punch block series and different things. Right. But those moves, they're kind of, uh, like you just keep on doing the same thing kind of over and over and over again as you get better in grappling. Um, and then you showcase those moves to get your belts. Um, what he showed was basically a shotgun blast to my face. And he was like, okay. And this was, this was kind of like what, what I saw is, is that my fear is, is that I teach somebody uh, something, or let's say that I have three classes to teach somebody. And I know that, you know, whatever type of class it is. I'm afraid that they're going to go out and they're like, they have this idea in their head that they even have a concept of how to fight or how to protect themselves. And they just get annihilated or they have a, a, a uh, there's a, a difference in where their reality is. Right. And what they have is not very effective. Well, what he showed was basically if you get above the shoulder line and you're standing and they're grounded it doesn't take a wizard to smash the other person being as violent as possible in between stomp kicks, right. Uh, soccer kicks and clinch knees, right. Which was a, which was a huge thing. And he shows systematically actually how to go and actually pass the guard, smashing people's face. If they cover their face with their hands that you're supposed to use stomp kicks because they don't use velocity and you're actually banging their head off of the back of their head to the floor. And then when they stop covering up, cause they're trying to get up, that's when you start soccer kicks right now. He, you know, he goes on to say that like, these are the most violent things, which is extremely true. 
and I've had this like ongoing kind of conversation with myself in my head since I've seen it. It's like, okay, so if I, now, now that I do know that, okay. Cause that was kind of one of those things in my head, like, okay, so let's say it's a situation where there's a bunch of people and I don't want to go to the ground. Like, okay, so do I double leg them? Do I choke them? Do I do this? What, what am I supposed to do? And it's like this ongoing question in my head. And it's like, it just answered it. Like when you see it, you can't unsee it. So now like I, I, I've, I have this, this problem where I'm thinking about like, do I show this? And then they might have the potential to actually kill somebody. Yeah. Right. And it, maybe I'm teaching somebody who's not a good person. Right. You know, cause that does happen, especially with people that are new. Like, when do you incorporate this? You know, so that, that's kind of a, a new question that I've been thinking about a lot. So I would say just uh, thinking out loud, cause that's a super valid question. Um, after say six months of rolling with somebody, like if you're training this person on a regular basis, um, you're going to know them, you know, like we know each other in a way that people that are really close to us probably don't. Yep. Right. If you roll with somebody on a consistent basis, you get to know their character pretty well. Uh, so I would, I would venture to say after six months, if somebody keeps showing up and they're training hard and they're not a douche, then, you know, teach them. But after six months, if, if they're sketchy, you're probably going to know it. You know? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the hard part, right? Is like most people don't make it to six months, like, or even close to it. Right. Like, like if I look at, and this isn't being like sexist at all, but if I look at like a women's self-defense class, like they might come in for a few weekends, you know, to do some things, get some training in or whatever, and get some very basic tips on how to get to the back and strangle somebody. Right. But like in a realistic situation, are they actually going to be able to put somebody on the, on the ground? Maybe, maybe not. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's, there's like, there's some, there's a huge problem in my head. That's kind of like, Hey, you know, are, I kind of feel like you should know the most violent acts first. And if you want humanity out of it and you want those step downs and be able to be a more effective, efficient uh, type of person and fall in love with the mechanics of things, then you stay on board but at least you have something to go back on because I'm afraid that I teach something and that time isn't spent the best way possible. So I feel like I now have an obligation. If I was to show something, it would be those things. So I, but then there's the legal repercussions of everything too. So sure. that just complicates everything. Well, well, I think uh, it's, up- that's on them though. It's yeah. I don't sure. think that is going to fall back on you as the instructor. If somebody You're makes gonna- a bad choice and does something uh, that's criminal then that's on them. You'd feel yeah. bad about it though. I know that, but oh, I, sure. I think you bring up, I think you bring up a good point though, about just like general self-defense classes or like you see it in, you know, I know that um, the old gym owner, Rachel, she, she used to, the karate instructor, she used to do uh, in the summer times or like it was once a quarter, she would hold a, like a self-defense class. And I think it was geared as a women's self-defense class, but it was once a quarter on a Saturday. And mm-hmm. which is a good thing to do. Cause you want to show people, like women in particular, like what's going to, what could happen. But I think you bring up a good point that it's not effective because it's so there's, there's not enough time. If you don't get the reps in, it's not going to do you any good. That's, that's kind of, that yeah. And that's yeah. kind of the conundrum. Like, as you're explaining this, what comes to my mind is, um, this might get a little philosophical, but it, what comes to my mind is, is warrior monks, like Tibetan monks, you know, they're like super calm and peaceful, but they spend their whole lives like learning how to like fight but they never do it. And it's like, they're probably, you know, they have, they have, you have to do that to be deadly. You can't just do it once and hope it works. Like 
the whole, the whole point of this is to truly understand what it means to be violent in order to not be violent, in order to protect yourself. Like, and it's, it's a scary thing to understand. It's like, I think you're spot on about learning the most violent things first. It's like, if you don't understand the actual violence that can occur, how can you hope to stop it? Because you're a deer in headlights. Right, right. And yeah. I think that we can all agree that one thing that we did learn that we didn't think that we were going to learn when we stepped in to, to go train jujitsu was, is we learned what mercy actually is. Yeah. You know, you've got your buddies, you know, arm extended, you've got their neck, whatever it might be, you know, and you can break them or not. And you learn the limits of, of what they can actually do and what you can do and where you're actually being destructive. I, I thought that that was, it's one of the most important things. So now you know how to act accordingly, I guess. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to, um, you know, like my my friends and family have like zero. I don't think they, they they might try a little bit, but they have like zero understanding of like what it is I do, because mm-hmm. this is like technically my job now. So in part, so and like they'll they'll ask me, and I'm like, you know, I I strangle people, because <laughs> yeah, that's like the funny thing. That's what you say when people ask what what you do in jujitsu. Like, well, I, yeah, I choke people, I break their arms, and everyone's like, why would you want to do that? And it's like, I, until you do it, like, I can't even describe like, how, like the benefits of it. It's such a surreal thing to like, try and explain to like my mom, my, my grandmother, like, no grandma, strangling people is a good thing. Like I'm a better person for this. <laughs> <laughs> you loved me before, but I am so much better of a human <laughs> because Meanwhile, I strangle people. Like five, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I strangle people five days a week and like, I'm such a good person. Um, <laughs> we get it that's a little counterintuitive but yeah it, very no very much um do you find that uh doing jujitsu brings you a sense of peace yeah yeah man i mean shit i've had hard days with both of you guys i mean there is a very specific day that i met dan on the <laughs> mats and i mean he just rolled me up and tossed me out like i was a piece of hot trash <laughs> And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, man, I need to go rethink some things, you know, <laughs> you know, just, you know, you know, those ones where like you, you get to your car, you know, and yeah. you just look at yeah. putting the keys in the, in the <laughs> you know, and you're just like, oh, son of a bitch. What are you doing with your life? But you feel so relieved. You're like, oh, man, I know it's real. You know, oh, yes. man, yeah. like that, that feeling is so great. I remember. Uh, two two grappling sessions in particular have always stuck out to me. One was the first, one of the first, uh, right after I got my blue belt, I rolled with Brian and uh, it might actually be the first time him and I rolled, but he fucked me up. I thought I could do things because I was a blue belt. I, I wasn't like, you know, I'm good. Like I knew it wasn't good. Like I, I want to preface this. I want to be like, okay. Like he obviously thought I was, I could do enough to, 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 to warrant being a blue belt. So it's like, oh, okay. Well. And I got, you know, for, at this point I had, <laughs> at this point, you know, I had 30 pounds. Uh, maybe 35 pounds on him and uh, I was like I'll, I'll be able to like at least like stand up like I figured I could stand up and I couldn't like I, I was telling this to Brian and he I don't think he remembers this when we had him on the podcast but like I would stand up and he would just like somehow manage to just smash me into the ground and he's 140 pounds and mm-hmm. I try and get up when he would sweep me because he would like intentionally sweep me but not get on top of me and mm-hmm. I would try and get up and then he would just shove me back down to the ground again and then just arm bar me and then just choke me and but the second story is uh, I came in on a Friday during the old open mat and I met you there, Sean, okay. and you were like, what do you want to go over today? 
And I was like, I had like a really, really tough day. I don't remember what happened during the day. And you kind of looked at me like, is everything all right? And he's, and I was like, well, what do you like to go over when you're having a really bad day? And you're like, let's just roll. And so we rolled for like an hour straight before class. I don't know if you remember this. We rolled for like an hour straight. Like I had a really fucking hard day. I, I, I don't like I said, I don't remember what it was work related. Something had happened at work. And it was like, I was thinking about leaving my job. Like it was pretty bad. And um, I don't think I've ever felt better after thoroughly exhausting myself than in that moment. It was one of those things where like, after the, after all the classes, I came home with like the shit eating grin on my face. My, my girlfriend's like, are you feeling better? I'm like, oh my God, that was fucking amazing. Like Sean just rolled me up and down the floor for like six, 60 minutes. And then I did two classes and then I rolled with him again and he choked me a bunch. It was amazing. I felt so good. <laughs> I'm back to work on Monday. Like it's not a problem. <laughs> Matt therapy, baby. If Matt therapy. Yeah, yeah. It was just yeah. one of those days where like, in, uh, you know, I might remember spe- little small parts of different roles, but like those two specifically um, kind of stuck out to me as like opposites. Right. Because Brian fucked me up so bad. It was the only time I've ever felt disheartened after jujitsu <laughs> yeah everyone has those moments i've had one and that was it and then it was kind of the polar opposite where like it was just i had so much like internal like frustration that we just sort of ground into the mat and i feel for everyone right now who's like stuck inside and can't roll yeah yeah like, that, that kind of shit works like it's therapy 100%. yeah yeah, when well, I've, oh, go ahead, Dan. I've I've said a bunch of times. Anytime I gotta spend time out for whatever reason, uh, and right now COVID included, uh, if I don't get to choke somebody, I'm gonna fucking choke somebody. <laughs> yeah. I feel you, man. Like uh, when all this started happening, like going down, and I wasn't really too like, I I think that I was definitely freaking out. Uh, because I, I think that everybody kind of was, and I was like, oh shit, people dying everywhere, you know? And then I was like, I was so, uh, I was so frustrated. I was going to start putting out fate or not Facebook, but uh, Craigslist ads like, Hey, if you want to meet at the park, like, you, know, <laughs> you know, like, I don't care if you've had training. I'm just, you know, it was just, you know, just so stressed out, just like whatever, you know, but um, it's like those old yeah. school uh, Brazilian um, ads they used to put out in the thirties. Like, do you want to, you think you're tough? You want to come get beat up? <laughs> like, come try and beat us up. <laughs> it's a challenge match. Right, I remember, exactly. I remember seeing uh, uh, there was this there's this ad for actually Pedro Sauer. It was super old, and uh, this guy was like, you know, the Sunday, 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 that voice or whatever. He's like, oh, you think you're a badass? No, oh, come on down to the gym. This guy's gonna fuck you up. And I was just like, oh man, this is great. <laughs> That's classic. That's awesome. Oh. Who's your uh, Who's your jujitsu hero? Um, man, there's there's so many good guys. The guy who I like watching the most right now is Gary Tonin. Yeah, um, love watching him because he throws himself in the fire so much. Does a lot of weird stuff. Looks at all the different cheats of angles. Um, very high paced match, so it's not so much. I mean, he wants to win, but it's not so much about the win. It's actually moving it along and not being boring. So, um, and then also his translation from grappling to MMA and still leg locking people and proving the point that like, it's a valid thing. Um, I, I like that. I mean, obviously Gordon Ryan, um, the guy's a genius. A lot of people don't look at him that way because of the way he promotes himself and his character. But man, that guy knows jujitsu in and out. Like when, when I went and met him for one of his seminars, it wasn't like we were having coffee, but I went to one of his seminars down in Portland. 
the threat. And yeah. this guy, this guy, man, he just, he just, the, the instruction was incredible and it gave the most specific goals that I've ever seen live. Okay. For one, the second part of it, and that could be rehearsed. Okay. Arguably. But then he sat down for like another hour and a half and just answered questions on anything. It didn't matter what it was. And this guy with pinpoint accuracy knew exactly what they were saying and explained in different details exactly what your options are for high percentage moves. And it wasn't like, oh, this move, it was like mechanics of the move to make it work. Right. So, um, you know, all the DDS guys are amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of other guys, you know, there's, there's also like, I like watching some of the older stuff too, you know, um, you know, I mean, I watched some like Marcelo Garcia, like a week ago. And, you know, I, I still like watching some of the old matches, even though the, the style has completely changed and how people look at things and uh, the types of problems that actually come up are, were so much more simple back then. Um, rather than when you look at Nogi now, you know, or you look at like 10th planet guys and the way that they, they roll, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent. So, yeah, but those are the two that just like automatically just stick out. Do you think, how do you think that uh, someone like old school Marcelo or maybe like um, Dean Lister during his 80s, his first ADCC run in particular would stack up against some of the, the new, the newer guys, say the 10th planet guys, or, you know, even Gordon Ryan. Craig no, they Jones, w- they wouldn't hang with purple belts. You don't they think so? No. No, it's like impossible. If you look at the the older footage, like, uh, <clears throat> so like Marcelo Garcia, because it's fresh in my mind, right? Like a lot of the guys, when they're even passing guard, it was kind of like they're in a hunched over stance. They would stay square to their opponent. So they were exposing the center line. And that's why he was so good at just sitting in a, a flat butterfly, not having a broken stance on one hip or the other, uh, and actually cutting different angles and being aggressive with it. So he would just step and he would just wait for them to basically try to flank him in an yeah. aggressive, speedy way. And then he would get caught up in the legs. I mean, it was, it was very simple. It was not like it, it, you know, he, but the way that he moved, the way that his knees were, the way that he was able to flex his ankles out and get a, an extremely wide base is, is, is extremely uh, impressive as far as, uh, you know, and his body awareness was amazing. Uh, but how his body moved is where I was trying to get to is, was very good, but the mechanics are so, so much better. Even the, the basic stuff, right? Like if, if you both have a, a right leg lead, right then I should have my left leg forward if I'm in butterfly, mm-hmm. like really basic stuff. Right. Because just like in boxing, right. When you're, when you're playing, like I'm an Orthodox guy, lefty forward, Right. And I'm, I'm fighting somebody who's a Southpaw. Right. Well, you know, you're basically fighting this game to basically you're playing the outside foot game. Right. So you're cutting a flank, right. You have that. And then when you square up, there's, there's the center line to actually hit them, but you get yep. jammed up. Uh, with your lead hand, same with, same with on the feet, right? It's you're getting jammed up on that front foot. And that's what you're trying to do is slow, slow that down so that now you have, you have the ability for when they square up to attack the center line. Sure. So it's the same. So it's the same thing where you decide to step into more of a half guard. And now you've got like a flank where you're starting to take the back. Right. So that's kind of the, like, as I, I mean, I know I'm talking extremely general principles here, but, but when I look at older matches, it was just kind of, you know, sit in butterfly where you're in a square butterfly and 
you know, just kind of sit there and wait for them to make the first move. And as they step across, you're either catching onto something to get to their back or you're getting into anything with inside position. So a lot of times it would end up in single X. Yeah. So Brian likes Hicks and Gracie a lot. And I'm, <laughs> you're laughing, you're smiling. I'm curious um, how you think Hickson would stand up if he was in his prime today. Man, as a, as a, coming out for me, Bo. Why yeah. are you doing this to me, Bo? <laughs> all right, this is, man, you're asking me all these questions. I'm just like destroying these 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 grappling gods, you know. It, well, you know, and it's and I'm like I have no right. I'm I'm nobody. Okay, like you you put me up against anybody, you know, that's even relatively good. Like I'm I I'm I'm gonna get smashed. Sure, you know, but but I. I'm more of like a, a spectator. I want to be an educated spectator. Mm -hmm. I want to know what's going on. Uh, even if I don't know what's happening when I'm in it sometimes, right? Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm always like watching it thinking, you know, like, you know, I, I want to be an educated spectator. But so like, I don't know what he does now. Like what, what I've seen, uh, he, he does take a lot of pictures with, uh, you know, Bluebell girls. You know, and, and, and you know, goes to goes to awesome places in the world and and hangs out and, you know, yeah. he he talks about invisible jujitsu and what I think is that ninety nine percent of the time, good jujitsu you can just see it. So, yeah. uh, I understand like there's a hierarchy. I understand that it's this weird thing where, you know, you gotta know where your place is in line, and then. You know, you get older and by the time you're old, you know, maybe you're a black belt or whatever, but you, you have rank on somebody and you might know more, but you still get smashed by an athletic purple belt that knows enough how to get around. And they have like three passes and they have a, a good amount of submissions, right? They have a good, yeah. good arsenal on them, but you know more, right? But there are all these very, very specific things it, in most cases, Right now, anyways, this will change over time. But right now, that that seems to actually be a thing where a good purple or brown belt will beat a black belt that's been a black belt for 10 years. You know, and it's it's a weird thing right now. We're going through this massive change of, of structure and everything else. And then, like, if you've been in it for so long, well, you know, then you get, you know, extra stripes. And then, um, you know, you might become a coral belt one day, which would be super cool. But, like you don't see coral belts like wiping the mat with like any competitive black belt. No, <laughs> you know, by the time I, you get your coral, yeah, you're, you're playing old man jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're thinking of different scenarios and enjoying the, the mental game of, of all the jujitsu, sure, sure. which is, which is freaking awesome. Okay. It really is. But in jujitsu, until you get to black belt, because the belt is kind of just a grade on where you get to compete at. Like that's really what it's there for, it, you know, and where you fall in line. Like, like, do you really care that much on like where you stand at in line or to hold <laughs> rank on? No, this is how you shrimp. Like, and then the first thing I think about is Bo hitting his head on the wall and shrimp. Hey, this is my <laughs> podcast. You don't get a, You don't get to bring up embarrassing stories about me on my podcast. Motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to veto that because this is actually our podcast. So uh, continue, Sean. Nice. I I am pulling rank. (laughs) I'm the lowest rank belt on this podcast. (laughs) I'm pulling rank. (laughs) That's Uh, awesome. I don't even know where we were going with all that, but well, I'll I'll put in my two cents on Hickson. Um, Just from the the reports of pretty much anybody who ever actually rolled with him. Uh, Again, you know, when he was in his prime back in the day, so to speak, um, his ability to just wreck world champions is you know legendary of course it's Mm -hmm. hickson and i think that his not only his understanding of the techniques but you know what he dubs the invisible jujitsu his ability to connect and consume space is is not something that you can see hence invisible jujitsu but not something that you can see just by watching and then when you feel it it's like what the fuck was that you know, yeah. I, I I was listening to an interview of a uh, black belt who was very successful in competition and, and he rolled with uh, Hickson and he, he sat there after they rolled and he was just kind of dazed. It was like there was no space. I couldn't move. And, you know, so Hickson's ability to do to do the basics stuff we all know. But at such a high level, I, I think he would still hold up quite well. I wouldn't, you know, claim he's gonna be world champion or anything, but I would imagine he would still be quite competitive. Yeah, I I think that I think he would do well. I I don't want to take anything away from the guy because I like looking at the footage that when he was just destroying people in Valley Tudo, you know, in that uh, choke movie and you know whatever it. I mean he was actually destroying people and like he got put into this like upside down. Like he looked like he was about to get dropped on his head from like six feet in the air. And he flipped around and like just reversed the guy. I mean, it was like insane. Right. Like, I mean, we've, we actually have tape of this stuff. You can look it up on YouTube. It's totally accessible. You know, uh, was, was he a great fighter? No doubt about it, but there's also that things have expanded so much. Yeah. And the, the basic, the the understanding of basics right now have changed so much that it's it's um, the argument is there that that he would have a challenge. It wouldn't be just like sure. you're the greatest and would just smash everybody. Oh no, no, of course you not. know. Yeah, uh, but I think that's where it was like five years ago. Wow, <laughs> people wonder, people been tooting his horn for since forever, really. Yeah. But I, I think it's it's uh, you know in my experience and and I. I resonate with this because it's kind of where I want, where, where I'm trying to get my game to go, um, mainly just because I'm old, so I want to stick with the basics. But the ability to shut down something before it has a chance to happen, like if he can, if he can break and control your posture, it doesn't matter how many techniques you know or how well you know them, mm-hmm. he's just not going to let you get into a position that's effective. And you'll keep looking for, oh, I'm going to do this, but you just, uh, I just can't, oh, if I can just get my elbow, I did, uh, and then you got to tap. Um, so I, I, that's, that's kind of my experience of it. And in a, in a, you know, infinitely smaller way, when I personally started focusing on stuff like that, um, as far as like connection and, and soaking up space, it shut down a lot of stuff that I know people would have done to me, you know? So I just in keeping it simple and not allowing a whole lot of movement to happen and trying to connect as best I can um, was surprisingly effective in my experience. Even if it wasn't fancy, it, it yeah. just it keeps the fancy shit from happening. No, I can. I, I know that that's absolutely true. Um, and that's how you roll in certain positions, especially mount. I, it just sticks out to me. So like 
most people have kind of like a loosey-goosey mount until they get like a head hug, but it's usually not that great anyways, to be honest. But you use an asymmetrical mount where your head is completely offline of the person. You're cross-facing, or if they move away from the cross-face, you put my chin to the ceiling, right? And then at the same time, you're taking my spine out of balance. You're on purpose, to, like uh, biting your, your thighs past my hips so you're actually pinching different things together you're nodding your head like i like i know this <laughs> like these are these are things these are these are things that you do that are not that would not be in like that common type of basics but now those basics are actually much more available people are switching to that as this is option a like you should not be in this where your hands are on the ground or like you know you're floating around like you need to control that head and you need to rotate that spine a bit yeah. You know, these are, these are things yeah. that are, you know, but it's one thing to say it and see it. It's another thing to have those fine details and actually feel that. So that reminds me of Mark, yeah. what you guys are describing just reminds me of grappling with Mark. Reminds me of Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does remind me of Dan, but Mark, like Mark feels more oppressive when I grapple with Mark. I'm working on it. <laughs> That's not a knock on you, Dan. That's not a knock on you at all. Like in the slightest, like. He just, when I, you and I grapple, I feel like you'll do that. And then maybe you'll let me move a little bit or you'll just be really flexible. Or maybe I'm just getting better at getting out of things. I, I think it's, you're just letting me move. But when I roll with Mark, it's like, Mark's like, I'm only going to let you do the things that I want you to do only for as long as I want to. And then I have to get home soon. And so you're just <laughs> going to sit here and I think I'm going to choke you right now. Cause it's been 10 seconds. And then I got to go home to my wife and kids. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like very oppressive about it. <laughs> he's he's got the most specific pressure I've ever felt. I'll definitely say that. He has a yeah. very specific pressure. Like there's no wet blanket unless he wants to. And usually that isn't the method that he uses because he only weighs like a buck seventy. Yeah, he's no, he's he's there. very specific. He's gonna put pressure in a weird spot on your bicep, and that's where he concentrates concentrates all that energy. And uh man, you you want to tap just from bicep pressure it's the yeah. dumbest thing <laughs> i'm curious if uh have you ever ruled with kyle mccutcheon and he's like that mccutcheon he's a yeah mccutcheon sorry Dude, he's kyle, a bigger he's a bigger guy so oh gosh kyle is okay so kyle kyle i just he he doesn't know this but i basically dubbed him thanos like <laughs> do this this guy just like okay so i thought that i was like getting somewhere to your point with like Brian or whatever. Like I thought that I was doing okay. I thought I could do something, anything. Yeah. And this guy, the way that he feels is like, if you had like a 200 pound vase and it was like a glass, right. And uh, you decided to put olive oil all over it and try to hold it. <laughs> right. That's what that guy feels like. Like, I mean, I, I swear that guy puts olive oil on his skin before we roll or something. Cause like, I, man, I, I can't get nothing going like nothing. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing. So, so Kyle is he, like, he's obviously much bigger than me, but he yeah. just destroys me with technique. Like he, he's got, I mean, every once in a while he'll kind of like press the gas maybe to his 50%. Like, and I'm trying to you know, say 50% because like, it's probably really is 10, but <laughs> you know, where I'm ready to tap, but like, uh, no, he, he absolutely just destroys me. He doesn't even play guard with me half the time. He just, he just lets me get side control and that's where we start and we'll, we'll roll for, you know, good amounts of time. And he's going at my pace and I can't keep up and I'm on top. Like it, it's so ridiculous. And his game is vastly different than mine. 
right? Yeah. But he he is a uh, man. He is really good. He is really good. There's, I mean, over at Kindred, never finished the rest of my origin story, I guess. So moved over to Kindred like a year or two ago, um, and nothing but good things to say about that place. Um, love it. Um, there's so many good people over there. Uh, obviously yeah. Kyle, you know, uh, our senior instructor there is, uh, John Sylvester, you know, uh, he, he's definitely more old school. Um, so he's all about that smash, but the nicest guy ever, um, you know, we've got competitors like, like Austin Daffron, who, in, unless, you know, he's probably the best guy around my size that I've ever grappled with. Like he's amazing. He's a professional grappler. Yeah. You know, I didn't um, realize he was a kindred now. Yeah. He's been over there for a while. Okay. I know that he was at Kirkland for a little bit. I don't yeah. know how long. Not very, um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's, he's absolutely amazing. There's, there's so many good people. Like I don't want to go down a laundry list, but there's probably about 20 people that are just like amazing. And then there's past that there's a, huge amount of people that are just really, really good. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's a, it's a really fun place to be. And, uh, but I don't know where I was going with that. But <laughs> I just completely brain farted. No worries. I missed their open mats on Saturdays. Cause I, when, since you moved there, I started going to the, um, Saturday open mats and I, I will agree. They're some of the nicest people and the, the funnest roles. Yeah. Very playful. Well, a very playful, super high level, all very different, which is nice. I like that they can, everyone there's kind of got their own little specialty, which yeah. makes it a little bit more fun. Like, I don't know, unless I know who the people are, like, I don't know exactly what they're going to do. Some of them are, you know, very wrestle heavy. Some of them are very leg lock heavy. Some like old school traditional. Some like to do a lot of inverted fancy crap that I don't care about. And uh, <laughs> got a few of those, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, I totally agree. It's a lot of it's a lot of fun over there, right? Um, God, I just miss rolling. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Um, so you know, to bring it back, um, actually, no, go, go ahead and finish with that. I was just going to talk about open mat. One of the things that yeah, it, I I I missed about it on these like cold days and stuff, and like. I remember these at with Cindy when she was at Kirkland. We'd walk in and it'd be like just you know freezing balls outside, and you know you you'd come in on an open mat and like everybody's just like steaming. So it just looks like people's <laughs> like warrior souls like coming out yeah. of their body. And there's like until you actually see that man, it's like uh, it's just the weird. It's surreal when you walk in and you just see that and you feel it and you you can like I hate yeah. to say it, but you can smell it. You know, it's yeah. it's there's a you know, there's a, there's just something to that where you walk in and it's like, I don't know, it's motivating in a yeah, weird way. For sure. Have you ever <laughs> had a, let's say with, with Kyle in particular, ever rolled with him and then afterwards he'll, you get smashed and then he's like, nice job. Like you did good. Has that ever happened to you? I think I remember you I told wanted... me this happened with Austin before. Uh, that I got smashed and he told me I did a good job. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember you telling me this with him, but I wasn't sure if this had ever happened with Kyle because he told me that once and I was I didn't understand what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I to be honest, like usually after rolling with with Kyle specifically, 
I mean, I, I have nothing left and he knows it <laughs> and he's just like, he's just like, he knows that like, I don't want to just like stop rolling because I'm having such a good time. But at the same time, like I got nothing for this guy. I had nothing when I was fresh, you know, <laughs> now I'm just like this beat up worm looking thing, you know? And so it's like, uh, it's, it, I mean, I'm sure he said things to me and just like, you know, way over my head, you know, I, cause I, I just had, I had nothing left, you know? Yeah. So. I remember but, uh, that though, one of the first few times I rolled with him, maybe it was the second time I can't remember exactly, but um, he just fucked me up. Right. And he, he actually, when him and I roll, my memory, my memory of him is kind of like how Trino rolls in that he's more of like a wet blanket. He never really like smashed me. He just like kind of laid on me a little bit and let me move, but I couldn't do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but I'm trying to do stuff and failing miserably and then I'll get tapped repeatedly and he'll do like, we, he likes wrist locks. Just, oh, dude, he it, loves wrist locks. Yeah, he's wrist locking like a dozen times. And so, like, we're grappling, and I'm trying to. It means stuff, you weren't acting like, right. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. And, you know, so we're, we're grappling at the, at the end, and then we slap hands, and he's like, nice job, man. Like, I'm pretty sure he was like, yeah, you're getting better from the last time. And I'm like, you just like laid on me for like seven minutes. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't even move. That's you just funny. sat on me and wrist locked me for seven minutes straight. I think I didn't wasn't choked for 12 seconds. Like, I guess that's improvement. <laughs> oh man. No, his, 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 uh, his wrist locks are ridiculous. Like he makes like, you guys have all seen like the 10th planet, like lock flows that they do. Right. Mm-hmm. They have like, that's how they do their, their like warmups is they have like different types of flows and then they'll have like lock flows where it's like arm bar to triangle to omoplata to, you know, whatever, invert the needed leg locks or whatever, whatever they're doing. Right. Yeah. Well, Kyle does that with wrist locks really yeah he does but but he's but he's doing that he doesn't actually want to get the sub he says he doesn't want to get the sub right but he he does it so that you get into a position where you're breaking your own posture or planting your hand to the ground and now he just attacks you either positionally or with real submissions so maybe he's setting up a wrist lock so that he can go to like a kimura grip or maybe he's doing it to put your hand on the mat so now he can play some other thing you know and you know, like, I don't want to talk him up. Like he's like this, this grappling God, but I mean, but cause I mean, there's so many good people out there, but I mean, when, when I felt like his technique and he wasn't using his body weight, he was just wedging me. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, you know, a lot of stuff that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how, I, and, that's how I feel like every time I'm on the mat with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so sean uh, tell us about your like competition experience have you done much uh, competing no no i'm not a competition guy i just think it's important okay, okay. to do it at every belt you know um i mean i i don't really know what else to say besides that i mean i'm definitely not a competition guy like i hate dieting you know i i hate it so much like i don't <laughs> i don't do much cross training if any you know like i i'm just i i just like jujitsu a lot so I'm not like the the gold standard of like what people would be like, oh, this is an athlete or no, not at all. No, you look at me, you'll be like, Mm-mm, not that guy. Nope. <laughs> you know? gotcha. Yeah. Right. So, so I, but I do think it's important for, you know, somebody to, at every belt level, like that you actually go out, you compete. I think that that's important because it keeps you honest with yourself yeah. most importantly. Um, and that's all that the belts, I mean, the, the belt matters, but it doesn't matter. It's this weird, stupid thing that it, it matters. You know, and, and like, if you go out into a, a competition and you don't do well, and then let's say that a lower level person ends up smashing you 
and they shouldn't, and you don't know why that's a problem, you know, and you need to go and fix those things. If you know why you're getting smashed, that's one thing, but a lot of people that are getting smashed right now, they don't know why. Yeah. It's like, well, if I just spend more time on the mat, that's like partially true, but like you actually need to study. Yeah. You need to actually study and like figure out some things so that you mentally know where to go so that your body has a target to run after, you know, just cause you're fast doesn't mean that you're aimed at the finish line. So no, for, for, Ooh, I like that. Idea. Well, no, did I just drop a hot one? Oh Ooh, man. Damn. That's good stuff. Sean dropping logic. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, that that's um that's basically kind of what happened to me and my when I competed last year was that I, I knew what was going on. It wasn't that the people that I competed with were doing things that I wasn't aware of, but it was more of that kind of a, a gut check or maybe a mind a mind check of like I gotta be better prepared for this. Like it just kind of came at me a little bit quicker than I was expecting, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's good to I actually agree with you that everyone should should do that, should compete, just to at least know the the difference with the adrenaline and the unfamiliar environment and the people you don't know. And there's at least something on the line, whether you care about it or not, um, because the it, it is drastically different. It's just faster. Yeah, and like you know, there's there's all the anxiety, you know, and I'm oh yeah, I'm probably the worst at this. You know, I I throw up before every competition. You know, I, I, I mean, that was like my first competition experience was like, literally I was in, I was like in the trash can and they're like, Sean, you know, my guy's already there. I'm like, Oh gosh, you know, uh, you know, it was a terrible, terrible experience, you know, but I was like, okay, no, no, I gotta go do something. You know, it gets a right. little bit better every time, but like, you know, that's still there. And I think that most of that comes from like this ego of like, like, Oh man, I'm getting recorded. Whatever I do, like, it's going to be critiqued for years. Like nobody cares. Like, you know what I mean? Especially if you, if you're not in like a pro level, like nobody cares. Like if you end up being a highlight reel on somebody's Instagram, like nobody really gives a fuck anyways. You know what I mean? Like that, that's the main thing. It's like, nobody wants to go out there and just get shown up so hard that like they get embarrassed. You know, it's not so much about the injury. Like we all say we don't want to get injured and it's true. Right. But, but I think the main thing is, is that nobody wants to just get embarrassed and annihilated and there are everybody knows like especially if you're a casual and like you want to see how you're going to do like there's people that are competing that shouldn't be competing with you that are at a pro level or they're a full-time grappler Mm -hmm. you know what i mean these are these are completely different things so i i i I mean they really should separate those people there's there's a guy rob bernacki you you know who oh yeah i know right yeah yeah, yeah. So uh, he he had a podcast and he was talking about. It. He's like, yeah, they shouldn't compete against each other. And I was like, yeah, they really shouldn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> but um, that's a good point. Yeah, that would that would be a nice way to separate things up a little bit. Kind of the uh, the hobby level weekend guys, let them go after it, and then the pro folks get it for real. I had, I actually okay. I actually enjoyed because I was destroyed. I, I know it's Sean in particular, you know, because you were there, but um, I was. I did not do very well in my first competition at all. Um, I did better in my successive matches because I sort of de- actually started to move, but I kind of had the opposite that you had in that instead of getting like anxious beforehand and like sick, I was like way too calm and just didn't do anything. Because <laughs> 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 so I was trying to conserve energy. And so I just, instead of actually reacting to the things that were happening to me, I just sort of kind of stood there and then at one point it kind of laid there. Um, but uh, two of the guys that I grappled with were both they're, they're both they grappled a lot um one of them uh like i, I could be the high, highlight reel for this for this teenage kid uh, dylan i think it's dylan melton is that his name uh, i'm um, not sure 
he's a check mat kid. He's a, I know he, he does actually grapples professionally. Him and his mom both do. But um, I, I was watched a video of him afterwards, I think on your suggestion, Sean, but he had uh, um, fought a, a, like a purple or a brown belt, like a grown adult, like another grown adult and like arm barred him in like 30 seconds in like some pro fight. Like that's absolutely absurd. Um, but I remember thinking when I was grappling him and some of the other kids, like, or the other the people, nothing they were doing, like shocked me. Like it was just more of like, I got into a position and I was like in a shitty position and I was like, well, I kind of already fucked this up. <laughs> I probably, I probably should have moved like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> Cue Oceander. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I remember specifically actually with uh, the Dylan kid, he had, uh, he tried to get a, a mounted guillotine, but he had it wrong. So I was like just on the ground and he was mounted with his hand over my neck, but he wasn't doing anything. And I, so I sat there for like 40 seconds. Like at one point I almost like fixed the choke. So he would choke me so I could get up. Cause it was like uncomfortable, but I couldn't move. Cause he had like, he was sitting up. Like I couldn't get up. I couldn't bridge it or anything. And I was like, God, I fucked this up a long time ago, but at least he's not like doing things to me that I don't understand. Like I'm just waiting for him to figure out how to choke me. <laughs> Cause I couldn't get his hand out. It was like, the angle was weird, but yeah, it's, um, it's definitely something I think everyone should do. Just know, mm. knowing that now, like I've learned more since that moment, like in the, like the last six months of 2019, just my ability, just me trying to study more and really pay attention to what I'm doing and why, just from those very obvious failures, like everything that occurred in my competition against the three opponents I had was like, I look, I, I actually watch the videos still, like every now and again, I'll pull them up and rewatch them. And I just cringe. I'm like, seriously? Yeah, that that type of pressure it yeah it rattles your your thought process if you're not it used does. to if you're not used to what what um what's your thoughts on on competing Dan? Um, I, I feel the same way. Ironically, I have not yet uh, competed yet, but yeah, I think it's important to you know it's a, it's a form of a test to put yourself under uh, as much pressure as you can safely and legally. Um, to really see where you're at. Mm -hmm. And as long as you go in with the right attitude, win or learn, um, it can be incredibly valuable for exactly the reason that you said, you know, to kind of ferret out the areas that you need to work on uh, so you can find them and pinpoint them and get that work done. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, I mean, <clears throat> what I see a lot of too now is like, uh, it's not so much that the other guys like terrible. It's just like people are really good at certain things. You know, they, they're, they're dragging you into waters that you're not, you know, you're, you're not as versed in. Right. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are, are getting very specific on the back now, you know, and really just hunting the back. Like they, you know, like it's a life or death situation. Some people are more guillotine oriented, you know, and just hunting the shit out of it. Some people are, it seems like the leg locks are evening out quite a bit now. And, in, and it's just like an ongoing scramble. And usually they'll give up a leg lock to chase back or something along those lines now. Mm. Um, at that least makes for sense the nogi. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, so I, I, I hope that, you know, there's, there's less of a, a, a gap between the gi and the no gi soon. I hope they start allowing leg locks and the gi. I'm just going to ask you that. If, uh, how oh, you feel about um, the leg lock changes. I just saw, th yeah. IBJJF is now allowing heel hooks. Hell yeah. About time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, that's that's great. That's that's one step. We need to keep keep going with this though, and just make make it all good. And so, Nogi, is it um, they're allowing leg lock or heel hooks in? Is it brown and black belt gi and nogi 
for IBJJF. Is that right? My understanding for where it sits right now. I, I think they're still ironing stuff out. So I don't know where this is going to sit starting next year, but for sure they said that 2021, they're going to start allowing Brown and blacks to start uh, heel hooking. Does that include reaping or is it just. Yeah. Uh, reaping okay. all, all that's good. You know, I, you know, that, that got tossed out a long time ago. I, I, I just, the whole like, Oh, you, you reap, you break the leg, you know, it's yeah. like, well, you know, it's kind of like anything else. If it doesn't feel good, go with it. You know, it's right. like <laughs> if you're, if you're reaping, don't go into the reap. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So, I think this man's trying to hurt me. <laughs> yeah. so Unfortunately, that note, that's how James got his leg broke. But Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely unfortunate. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah. Um, so on the leg lock note, I'm curious what your thoughts are on um, for, com- for competing or just, I guess, in, in the gym. These will be two separate questions, I suppose. But when is when should you be allowed to do leg locks? I think you should be able to drill everything at white belt. What about comp- competition? Um, well, so like my, my whole idea of like white and blue and purple are, is like consistently changing on what that is. Mm-hmm. Just taking a look around. <clears throat> so I thought that, you know, something along the lines of like at white belt, you know, pretty much where it's at right now is completely fine. You know, straight ankle lock pretty much. Uh, but it should be consistent with another straight, like a knee bar, you know, as far as leg locks are concerned. And then when you get into blue or purple, you know, I, I mean, I'm not a judge, so I, I won't, I wouldn't know this stuff, but I think that's where more of the twisting stuff should be allowed. So like, even if, even if you're starting to allow twisting stuff, like I would always allow reaps, like that should just be a thing. Like just, you know, if, uh, like that, that argument's over, like reaping <laughs> should just be allowed. All right. Like even for straight ankle locks. Um, and then uh, I think toe holds should be allowed probably a blue belt and like all the heel hooks at purple. You know, I think that that's, I think that that's pretty realistic. So that you have, have different things to bounce off of instead of like, I only have this straight ankle lock and then you get your back to Cause all you have is a straight Ashi position and you don't know how right, to right. work very well, you know, rather than yeah. like, Oh, now I'm going to actually rotate into, you know, a knee bar or whatever. And then the other guy has a toe hold. If you rotate, you know, um, if right. you rotate wrong, you know, you have a toe hold right there. So it makes, it makes it a lot more of a, a fun game instead of like this stuck in like, what are my white belt rules or what are my blue belt rules being able to fight openly, I think is better. Like, if you're going to go compete, you better know how to tap and your coach hopefully educated you on, if you don't know where you're at, like just tap. Yeah. Like, like, you know, somebody's got you in a Kimura and you've never seen a Kimura before you should tap. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's okay. just good coaching. So Sean, tell All me right. about, um, what, how much like self-defense specific training have you done? Um, quite, quite a, bit i i mean if i i don't know what you count i mean as far as like traditional martial arts i guess or is that what you're asking well no i I guess um you know throwing on gloves or including slaps when you roll um a bit more like actual pressure testing of some of it rather than i mean you get the old techniques as well but um i guess more just including striking into the grappling in a safe and controlled manner so uh i would definitely say not enough um you know but I mean, I, I probably do it more than most, but like, man, I, I look at, you know, how some of the guys were training for like, uh, so, so Austin, 
uh, Daffron. I just call him Duck. That's his nickname is Duck. But anyways, like Duck, when he's like uh, prepping for his uh, combat jujitsu world stuff for the for uh, Eddie Bravo and all that stuff, right? That like, I mean, he's going hard with the palm strikes. So it's like, I, I don't want, <laughs> like, like, I can't tell you like uh, that man, that guy, when he, I mean, he, he's an awesome training partner, but man, when he gets on his, on his uh, palm strikes and stuff, like, I don't want any part of that. I don't want to play like that. So <laughs> like, I want to, I want to go home and like, you know, still like feel like, Oh, I learned something and not get those thoughts beat out of me. So, you know, I mean, some, some of those guys, you know, they, they just, they go super ham on it, you know, cause they're prepping for a real competition in it. So it's like, yeah. why wouldn't you? So, yeah. but I, I mean, my level is not there, you know, uh, but I mean, do I practice different things with different people that, you know, aren't going to, you know, blast me straight in the face, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Nice. Well, if we ever uh, get back to the mats, that's definitely something I want to incorporate um, just to make sure I'm not uh, fostering bad habits and stuff like that oh, yeah. or something like that. Cause for me, it, as much as like, Competition is entertainment and I enjoy watching it, but my jujitsu, I want to focus as much as I can on something that'll be applicable to self-defense, um, which, you know, to simplify it is basically just old school, you know, sure. uh, but I haven't really done much training where somebody actually, if they have the opportunity is going to, you know, pop me in the chops because I left myself open, yeah. um, which is absolutely going to happen if something goes sideways and you find yourself, you know, with some big football player on top of you thinking that you looked at his girlfriend or some shit and you got to deal with it. Uh, yeah. So I started teaching that to the kids when I started teaching pretty when Brian started having me teach the kids classes by myself. That's one of the first things I did is I was like, I'd show move, you know, show them some things. And every time I'm like, we're going to learn it. No resistance. We're going to learn it with some resistance. So you can kind of get a feel for it. And then I want you to do it again slap each other in the face like do this while the person's trying to slap you because i mean i'm i'm teaching them so we're teaching them you know the pedro sour self-defense stuff anyways i might modify it a little bit but it's like that's the whole point you know so you might as well it's like i want them to figure it out because they're kids and they don't compete a lot so like for them this is much more of a of a recreational thing than a serious thing which is totally fine but at the same time i want them to understand like some kid at school tries to fight you. They're not going to be like nice about it. This isn't like one of our games that we play. Like we're not going to slap gonna hands first. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you know, and, and if, if you lose, you go to the, you know, you go to the wall and the next person up, like it doesn't work that way. It's like, so you got to watch out, you know? And I remember one of the first times I, I told the, the adults, cause I do this with when I teach the adult classes, if, and when I do, and I'm like, we're going to do a move. And then that you're going to slap. So like, boys watch out. Cause someone might hit you in the nuts. Like, <laughs> you're trying to like pass the guard and like you're not watching yourself you might just get punched in the deck like you you, you kind of got to be on you got to be on guard for that sort of stuff like this is this is this is real life you know and um so so like um what you're saying is exactly how i thought probably two weeks ago okay so what i'm starting to think now more and more so is like oh this person that's attacking you either you know has watched a lot of ufc or whatever mm -hmm. You know, and maybe they don't just do what normal people do, which is going to be run across above your shoulder line and start soccer kicking you. And if you aren't <laughs> practicing, if you aren't practicing how to get out of that situation, like you should be practicing both and understanding that is a superior position and you yeah. should know 
and feel what that feels like to, even if there's no contact, just the peer pressure mentally of them being there, you know, and, and like, what are my options? Now, when you say, when you say above the shoulder line, what, what do you mean by that? So this line between say the top of my shoulder to the other top of my shoulder, that's right. the line that joins my shoulders. That's your shoulder line. Right. So if their feet are above that and you're laying flat on your back. Oh, okay. Okay. So Didn't one's standing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay. one person is standing, right. And the other person is on their back. Uh, that in, I mean, you put anybody there, right. I mean, you yeah. put Mike Tyson in his prime there. He's going to have a hard time with a four foot person. Yeah, you know, it's just what it is. Maybe not Mike Tyson, but but <laughs> yes, know, yeah, yeah, he might just punch him in the foot and it's all over, right? So it's, break the foot, yeah. yeah. But you know, it's it, it's such a dominant position, and they have to do so much to be able to recover, unless you actually know what you're doing, yeah. right? So there's so that's where you start getting into the argument of like, okay, inverts and leg locks. That's what I was thinking. Is you just invert into like a knee bar or some shit? I mean, well, I'm just saying like, maybe it might not be a mix of both. I'm just saying that that's yeah. where that comes into play. If you're going to be using jujitsu, like you can't like just stand up because you're going to get kneed in the face or blasted or kicked or whatever. Right. But somehow you need to make some type of barrier, some, some type of defense somehow. Yeah. Right. Or you've got to be able to roll away quick enough. You know, these are different <laughs> scenarios that you got to just like, you know, if somebody just appears there because yeah. that does happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah protect the off button yeah yeah exactly yeah so i'm curious what your favorite submission is sean oh man okay so i got a lot a lot of them but right now i'm kind of on <laughs> I this want, i want one you want most one. favorite most favorite and As why? Of right now or As of this moment i'm fixated right now on bent arm bars okay why Okay, so there's a new black belt um, out of uh, Henzel Gracie, Portland. Her name's Hannah Sharp, monster. If you look her up on YouTube, uh, she just like snaps this girl's arm in half with a Kimura, like immediately. Like she is, she's just a killer. And she's very, very smart when it comes to jujitsu. She's very accurate. And she held this seminar completely on her system of bent arm bars. So actually, since then, one of my good buddies... Uh, Morgan Matizak has been specifically been looking at this a lot and his instructor is 10th planet Portland is uh is a uh, Phil Schwartz and he calls it a Swifty. and uh <laughs> so so but it's a it's a really cool position because you have basically a, a short triangle where it's it's like a shallow triangle but it's still locked up behind their head yeah and then you you can uh basically take the arm like an Americana. So it shoulder locks them and is like a twisting type of arm bar at the same time. So you can hit it from that type of triangle. You can also hit it from trap triangle. You can hit it from, uh, uh, geez, what, what am I trying to say? Um, I, I, I forgot the name of no it. I, is uh, that, uh, you can hit it from like all these different places. Is that similar to what, um, top lock? Portland? That's what I was trying to say. Sorry. Is it, go ahead. No worries. Is that similar to what, uh, Gordon Ryan did to uh was it Kyle Bain? That's exactly Bain. what he did. Yeah, he yeah. did the short triangle one. Okay, yeah. That's what I was thinking. That's what it sounded like. So okay, got it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's a yeah, that's a it is it is a nasty arm bar. And there's like yeah. different ways to do it. And the funny thing is, is like if you don't know that and you get caught in it, man, you are just you're destroyed. Yeah. I mean, it looks it up. 
when I watched that, it looked so painful. I don't know why he didn't tap like five seconds earlier. Oh yeah, probably because I mean, yeah. it was like money on the line. But I would have been like, nope, fuck this, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's a tricky spot too, because like if if you like, what do you do? Straighten the arm? Yeah, you know, like so it or, doesn't hurt know, as bad. <laughs> you know, I mean, like it, it's, it's a, a really worse break. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's bad. I mean you're you're using an Americana, right? But you have your body weight and the full force of your hips of yeah. a hip drive and also the pull of your arms instead of just the pull of your arms and like maybe some body weight pinning the other shoulder and making mm, it flat. Right. Is that similar so to a, a monoplata? No. So the mon if if oh wait no I'm thinking of a barata plata. Yeah. What's a monoplata? I forget. It sounds really sim- similar to what you're describing. Um trying to think if I can describe it over a fucking zoom call. Um, I, <laughs> the, uh, I recently saw Brian Peterson go over it with the uh, Peterson's grapplers mm-hmm. and it's uh, it looks very, very useful in the sense that uh, I think he was catching it from side control. So he's on top side and you scoot your head side knee up under so you can trap the arm. Right. So you're in side control, scoot your knee up. So now you got the arm between uh, your armpit and your hip. And uh, from there, it's a step over with the head side foot. So basically that comes over the face, mm-hmm. but their arm is still going to be bent, but you have it trapped around your body. Yeah. So if they're, they're grabbing around here, you trap here, this foot comes over. Oh, this is fucking terrible. Oh, I know exactly so, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah I actually then, do this. Then this you is lay Brian's back. favorite arm bar. Yeah. yeah. So that way you get a, the arm is bent like an Americana. Yeah, and as you apply, you get the essentially an Americana uh, lock. But if they straighten out, then you just flow right into a straight arm bar. Yeah, yeah. And okay, he's calling that monoplata. Okay, I can no, send I, was, you a I, link. I don't, I don't know, I don't know it. I don't know it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to say yes, yeah, that's the one. And then it, you know, you, I YouTube and I was like totally the wrong thing. <laughs> there's, so, there's so many damn plotters. I yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I don't, I, it, all right, so. if, if you happen to look it up and if it's the same one you're talking about, or if it's different, you know, shoot me a link to, to the, uh, the bent arm bar you're talking about. Okay. Fair, fair. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> so Brian had told me a story once I, uh, how he used to, uh, he referred to you as his enforcer if necessary in the gym when you were at our gym. Oh, um, I'm a terrible enforcer. And so, <laughs> um, I was hoping that you could tell a story for our listeners, which is really just Dan and I and my mom, probably. And um, of a time when your enforcer services were required. (laughs) (laughs) At Brian's gym. (laughs) Well, I swear, man, you're you're just like asking me these questions that are just making me look bad. (laughs) Like, like, what do you, what do you think about Hickson? Let me, what what do you, (laughs) well, we got to talk about putting the interviewees on blast, man. They never come back. Oh man. Okay. So, uh, so I wasn't really a mad enforcer. I was just sticking up for myself. So (laughs) this is the one time that like really sticks out. So like, uh, we had a, this was at Brian's place, um, before I made the switch to, to Kindred, but, um, so there was a, there's a karate class that that's there also or full gym karate gym that's there also. And there was a, there was a karate guy there and he was a black belt in karate, which I don't, it's cool. 
anyways um (laughs) anyway so so we're we're grappling and he i remember him being built kind of like the mix of a potato and a square but he was like but he's like uh he's just like one of he looks like he just like he's like muscular but he eats all day so he's like real thick yeah just one of those guys right and um maybe he was a real nice kid but he wasn't that day and uh so I was just in seated guard because he, you know, I know that that is like the most awkward position for anybody to start in because you don't know what to do when you're first starting to grapple is like, okay, what do I do? Do I grab something? Do I just like mm-hmm. go into him and somehow I get to side control? Like, what, what do I do? And so I, I was trying to play that. So I get like one grip on his wrist and he was like standing, you know, and then he would he stripped the grip off like really hard and aggressive and like looked at me like I insulted his mom. <laughs> and then I was like, I was like, eh, it's fine or whatever, you know? So he, he came back and he came back in the exact same stance. And then, and so I grabbed his wrist, same, same way, nothing. And it wasn't like an aggressive grip. Like this was very much like I'm touching you. And he literally just pulled back, like stepped back and pulled back and then just socked me right in the face. No shit. <laughs> so, Whoa. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, so there was this like moment of like, we're in the gym, we're at church type of moment <laughs> where it's like, we're like, uh, it's like, okay, you know, I, I've got to keep my cool or whatever and not fight this guy. And then I was like, double leg into the wall. <laughs> like, you know, and then I ended up like almost plotting this guy so bad and then arm barring him and, I ended up, he, like, we are in our, like, he was like, oh, my gosh, my my hand hurts. And I was like, it's from hitting my face. And then I just <laughs> grabbed him and just, like, I put him in this, in a rear naked choke and picked him up off of the ground because he got to his knees. And I picked his knees. So I, and I just kind of dragged his little limp legs across the floor. And then I threw him <laughs> into the mat when he was tapping. Um, and, jeez, uh, this makes me sound so bad. This is my favorite <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> but, uh no, uh, I I guess the the whole gym had stopped and stuff, and we went to Fiesta Friday. You know, afterward we all got you know for the listeners out there, shout out Bo's mom. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> we, uh, we we go to Fiesta Friday. It's this little Mexican joint. We call it Fiesta Friday, and we all have like uh, whatever it is that we want. They got some awesome tacos and stuff. But anyways, fajitas, and uh, we were talking about it and. Uh, Dave Gray was actually there that night and he goes, that was the most awesome thing I've seen. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh, you guys saw that. I was like, I feel so ashamed, you know, kind of that, that, that feeling like, Oh man, I didn't, I didn't want these, these things to come back out. You know, like, <laughs> you like, don't uh, like me when I'm angry. Yeah, it's Sean beating up a teenager. Uh, did he straighten the guy out? Did he, did he chill out? Oh, he, he didn't come back. Oh. And then he, he <laughs> did come back later on when we had it an in-house tournament. So I used to do like these like little yeah. in-house tournaments like every so often. And you know, the guys really liked it. They had a lot of fun and he came in and he actually did pretty well, but he got smashed up pretty good. Yeah. And uh you know, I I I don't think that I, we saw him again after that. I think that after he, that uh, day it was he went to college. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I beat him up, he was probably 15 or something. I don't know. No, he I'm was. Just a, kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, he was. Uh, he was 18 at the time, I think, or 17. He was a senior because it was the same year. Um, I think he went. I don't remember where he went, but I remember uh, um, our old the old karate instructor bringing it up. He went to college and how he didn't want to do jujitsu again. 
<laughs> yeah, see, this, see, I told you this is making me look terrible. Um, yeah, no, he was I like got, 17. He was like 17. He was a grown man. <laughs> you know, like, to be fair, he had, like, he had like 30 pounds on you. He was big. He was bigger than you. So, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, he, regardless of whatever, I mean, he practiced some type of striking for like, you know, over two or three years, you know? Yeah. And, you know, he reared back and socked me dead in my face without like, <laughs> I, I just, like with everything he had too, it wasn't it wasn't like a, a weird reverse punch. Like he just like haymakered me in the face, and I was like, "What the?" So he, he's lucky you didn't put him all the way out. Like that's yeah. it, that that's crossing a really big line, and yeah. that's kind of you know open season in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. worth yeah. A, idea. That's worth that's a limb, idea. I think. I think that's yeah. worth like one broken joint. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I, maybe he just said inside heel hook. <laughs> Just, just, take, the just take <laughs> the kid. knee. You don't need a knee for karate, do you? I don't like, like the, the, like that was such a weird internal battle. Like I, I mean, thinking back on it, I still remember it. Like, cause I, I, I wanted to fight and I, and I was like, and then like all these like feelings were turned on, like, Oh, that's a bad thing. Don't do it here. And you know, just like, it's just, you know, get over yourself. It's nothing. You know, you're fine. You didn't even get knocked out, you know? I was like, but my face hurts. <laughs> <laughs> <It> must die. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, I love it. Have um, have you ever had uh, blue belt blues? So, like, a lot of people talk about that. Yeah. So okay. Or purple belt this blues, is... I guess, because you're a purple belt. So. Man, like, there's just so much stuff. Okay, so this is a huge question. I'm going to try my best to like shrink this down into bite size as much as as I can. So I feel like personally, okay, and this is this is going to be a bit controversial, okay? Get get ready. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay, so I feel like I feel like people have the blue belt blues for usually like two good reasons. One is like they they want to learn what it is and be able to defend themselves against whoever they thought that they were, right? And have a, a better understanding overall of whatever it is. And then once they get the blue belt, they're like, oh, that's the sign that I, I have reached that mark. And you know what? Before I even got the blue belt, I was already checked out, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of that. And a lot of people don't really fall in love with it. I, re I really truly believe that. A lot of people really don't fall in love with it. So the other part of that is more on the instructor side. Okay. Now, wherever you learn, right. I think that it's important for you to, to learn it the way that your instructor shows it, but it's also important to question it right yeah. after you learn it, not in the process and be right. like, but what about this and this and this and this, I don't mean that. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is like, you know, reflecting now, right. Because like we were all in a place where we can reflect, like is the way that I'm teaching this now, is this the best version that I have as of now? Right. And I think that a lot of people kind of like get into like a, like a set of DJing almost like this is my set. This is what I do. I know how to, you know, yeah. cut off stage afterward. Right. Like, for instance, we're going to take something super basic. All right. Like trap and roll. Mm -hmm. Right. We all have seen it taught the same way. Right. You grab the arm, then you grab the, the leg on the same side and, you know, you you basically do a bridge and. You know, you land on top and it's all fine and good. And then you get on the mat and that shit never works for a number of different <laughs> reasons. Right. 
And like, but we're teaching it backwards because that's not actually how the move usually works at a higher percentage. You trap the leg first, you shift your, you shift your hip over. So you're actually trapping the leg. Right. And now you have the guy where you're actually in a hand fight, right. Where you can either work up to a hand to that hand and actually trap and roll it. They give it, give it to you. And then it's even easier. Or now you're using different things to bump them to get their, their hand to the mat so that you can go after it. Or they completely abandon it so much that they overcommit to the other side. And now you have like a, like a hip escape or something else on the other side. Right. And that's the way it actually works, but we don't teach it that way. Right. Yeah. Same with cross collar, right. Mounted cross collar choke, right. Like everybody should know like, or from guard doesn't matter. Right. We should know that like the cross collar is going to work pretty much no matter what, as long as you get your chin over your hands. Right. That's not the problem of actually getting the cross collar to work. It's not. The problem is, is actually fencing your second hand in to actually get the damn grip. Yep. Right. Yep. So we don't spend any time actually fencing and doing like, like light resistance to heavy resistance on just that drill. Right. Like if we're going to practice in a game type of situation, we should be working on our fencing when we've already have that position getting to that. That's the important part. Right. So the skill of either going underneath an elbow for like a guard type of position, right. Or you have their posture broken or you're, mounted right and then you're going basically over the head to the far shoulder and then coming across the the neck the other way right yeah, yeah. those are those are skills that like like these are basic things but then when we see it at a high level like everybody's minds well like how the fuck did you do that that's impossible you're doing the exact same thing that everybody else is doing well they've spent time actually fencing well and that's the 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 invisible details that come along, you know, what? like, like trap and roll, like you said, trap and roll, like, you know, that, those are the basic mechanics, but you can refine so much of that. And ironically, that's uh, part of what uh, ended up landing me um, there in, uh, in Bothell was watching Matt Thornton from SBG. Um, he was talking about um, posture and connection. Of course, that's kind of his, uh, his theme song, um, but he was demonstrating it on trap and roll. And just the little details of, you know, shortening one side and it's not a, it's not a bridge, but rather you're rolling over your shoulder. So you get your head, all those little details, which is essentially, you know, it's what Hickson was doing 40 years ago, mm -hmm. but to go from the white belt, okay, you know, block one side, get the arm, get the leg, bridge and go to then refine it down to where it's useful, where you can actually use it in a roll. Um, to me, those, those are the details that, um, I never got the blue belt blues, but I definitely got a little stagnant. And that was something that kind of, you know, got me out of that. Like the, the understanding that the things you already know, if you just learn the details of those without learning any more moves, then the game improves and you have more fun and just go from there. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think that, that there should be a strong emphasis whenever you know you feel right and you're teaching that whatever works that's what how you should teach it you know i i think that like like if you don't know better that's one thing but if you did now let's say that you're teaching a bunch of beginners you know that really have never seen a trap and roll before showing them the the mechanics of 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 how it actually works live i feel is more important than showing it to somebody who already knows most of it. And then they just pick up a detail here and there. I think it's more important that like, if you showed, you know, we're just taking the trap and roll, but like, if you show somebody the right way, the first time, and you're showing them the, the high level details, 
<clears throat> and the battles that actually need to be won. And that it's not one move. You're showing like eight moves and each one of them matters. And this is why I think that that's more important for people's understanding and um, just having a much clearer understanding of, of like where they're supposed to go and where they're at in the fight. Instead of like, I tried to trap and roll and it didn't work. You know, I, I don't like that mindset. I tried right. this one very big <clears throat> mechanical one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, to, to get out and it didn't work. So like my boss, he, he, uh, he says something all the time and it sticks with me because I do jujitsu. Right. And he says, it's a, there's a different thing to memorize something than understanding it. Mm, yeah. Yes. And then there's so much truth to that in jujitsu that, you know, just because you understand or understand the firing sequence of the move, that doesn't mean that you know where you're at in the fight while you're doing it. Yep. You know, yeah. so I, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's my two cents on it. But, that makes sense. And obviously taking into context, like you said, if somebody's brand new, I mean, there's kind of a, you don't want to hit them with the fire hose information, but <laughs> right. once, once you get the general concept, then yeah, don't, don't develop bad habits. Like start with the good details and understand why they're there. So it'll make sense when you actually need it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah Brian yeah, yeah. actually, Oh, my bad. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sean. You got it. Oh, um, what I was going to say is, is that Brian actually does this very well. What he does is he shows the move, right. And mm -hmm. doesn't explain shit. He just lets you take a, a snapshot of what it looks like, right? And then he goes over kind of like the medium stuff, right? And kind of does like a, a check of the room to see where everybody's eyes are, if they're engaged or not. He gauges the room like a stand-up comedian, right? And then he goes back again. And then if everybody's with it, he's going to show like the deeper details of the move. And that's actually something that, that he broke down for me a few different times because I wasn't good at doing that is reading the room. I just start going on tangents. So <laughs> I yeah, like no, your I... explanation of um, the little details. That's actually, I think part of the reason, one of the reasons I like doing jujitsu with you and why I think we get along is because I'm the same. I'm very similar. What, what keeps me engaged in jujitsu is the minutia, like the tiny, the tiny little bits. Like I, I'm, there's always something for me to do and learn and I never get bored with it. And I actually, I've mentioned this, I think I mentioned this when uh, Brian was on and I know Dan and I have, I've talked to Dan about it before, but I actually don't understand how people get bored with jujitsu. It like it, it bat, the concept actually baffled. I remember you actually, I think you were actually the first person to tell me, either you or Trino. One of you told me about the blue belt blues, about how I probably, I think it might've been Trino. And I was like, I don't understand like why anyone would ever get bored with this. like. I could do a trap and roll every day for 10 years and still get better at it. And it's like the simplest, the simplest move, you know, it's just like a, a day one move you learn, but there's so many small things to it that I will never not be engaged by where the hip needs to be and why. And yeah, I, there's this video of, um, of, uh, here uh, on Gracie, he's at a, so I think he's at like a, at a camp for, with a bunch of like military guys or cops or whatever. And the whole premise is like a 20 minute video, I think. He basically is showing the trap and roll and he has everyone, anyone who wants to can sit on top of him and their whole goal is to not get trap and rolled. Yeah. And if you watch that video, it's like 40 out of the 42 people that you rolled with, mm -hmm. he trapped the foot first, but yeah. he teaches it trapping the arm first. Yeah. But and the crazy like, thing. Interesting. But the crazy thing to me is like, <clears throat> I've, I've seen that video four dozen times and I'm like, not even joking. I probably watched it 50 times because every time I watch it, I slow it down to like quarter speed and like just watch his hip movement and I'll see him 
move the body a little bit to the side before the guy even notices. And then, you know, there's like those tiny little details where I'm like, okay, he's, he's baiting the guy by moving his body. Or he knows that he pushes the guy with a hand for no other reason, but just to get a reaction. And then he goes and, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's the little details like that, that just, I don't, I don't get, I don't get how people get bored or checked out. Like I, I it's, it, it makes no sense to me um, because of that. <laughs> Yeah, not everybody has a super curious mind. That's one no, of those things. You talk about falling in love with jujitsu. I think that's part of it. Is it's like I just I'm hooked by that. Like mm-hmm. it's how my mind works. It just it ticks that way. And so every time I'm learning something new, it's like I'm going to do this badly for a really long time until I figure it out. You don't know, even I, care I, if I can't do it. The the people that you meet are 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 definitely a different type of breed too. Like um, you know, you brought up Trino. Trino. Trino is like one of the biggest hearted people I've ever met. I mean, Trino is amazing. I love that guy. And I actually owe a lot of my game to him. So, I mean, he opened me up to the whole head and arm game. And on top of it, it kept me so open-minded to not being so like uh, driven to, you know, whatever the curriculum is, but, you know, it's okay to like, like freely think and ask questions, you know, why, you know, why, why are things this way, you know? can can we rearrange this a little bit different you know that that type of thinking in jujitsu i i i mean i mean he he did a lot for me in that area like not a lot of people talk about trino for some reason actually at the gym but like he like trino is legit and he's actually a very good teacher so like i i don't know why his name is not like like you got a, a seasoned black belt in there and like nobody even brings him up you know it's really weird to me i don't like that I'll, I'll definitely say that, but like, he's uh, like, he's like my hidden secret. I don't tell anyone about him. So like, <laughs> so whenever he has classes, I'm the only one who goes and learns from him. That's, that's how I want it. <laughs> that's, private. Exactly. That's how I like, I liked that. I actually liked that when um, we had our open mat before classes on Fridays. I used to wish more people would show up, but it was always nice when it was just you and I, mm-hmm. John, because you could just show me all this stuff and no one bothered us. And I got I, I to gotta learn so much more. <laughs> yeah, that's, lot, my, that's my selfish take. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good for me, too, because I look forward to that time because I got to just, you know, drill stuff that I wanted to work on. You know, yeah. that's the cool part about teaching class. It's like, you know, if if you don't want to teach something, you don't have to. Like you could teach whatever you're interested in on that given day. And it can, yeah. you know, just be, you know, man, I just love trap and rolls today for some reason. You know, yeah. I was just like, oh, man. All right, cool. Let's do that. I actually you know, do like traveling rules. They're one of my favorite things to do. So I, I love trying to figure that one out, but <laughs> trapping rules are good fun, man. Yeah. Also because I'm bad at uh, elbow escapes. And so <laughs> everybody's bad at elbow escapes, <laughs> <laughs> but all right, boys, well, we are hitting two hours. Oh cool, man. Cool. Right. Time yeah. flies. Yeah, yeah, it does. Time flies when you're having fun, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, um, I think we should probably wrap this up. I'm hungry. Okay. Nobody All wants right. to upset your tummy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I do want to thank you for uh, coming on to the podcast, Sean. I'd like to have you on again. We, I'm sure Dan would as well. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. I actually had a lot of fun. It's been great seeing you guys. It's been way too long, and I can't yeah. wait for the shit to get over. No, so, me sure, too. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll do this again soon. I have, uh, I got through about half the questions that I had written. So Holy there's shit. more, 
There's a, <laughs> he's a note taker. There's more embarrassing ones. There's, there's ones that probably would make you look good, but I didn't ask any of those today. Um, no, you didn't. <laughs> a lot of, they're going to be coming after me today, but it's going to be bad. Well, let's chat about those questions offline, huh? <laughs> let's be nice to Sean. I thought they were pleasantly nice questions. I didn't see what the problem was. <laughs> that was good. Sean's a good there guy. They were some of my favorite memories of you. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, I think we're getting punchy. Yeah, we let's are. Go ahead and call it. We'll go ahead and give it a call. So everyone, this is episode 13 of the Beyond Red and Blue podcast. We have Sean Carter on today. Thank you very much, Sean, for coming on. Everyone, thanks for listening. Have a good rest of the night, the morning or the afternoon. Bye, everybody. Bye.